This episode is brought to you by 511 Tactical, a company that I've used for over a decade since they supplied the uniforms for Anaheim Fire when I worked out in California. And they have partnered with the Behind the Shield podcast to offer you, the listener, 15% off not just a single purchase, but an ongoing discount every time you shop at 511tactical.com. And I will give you the discount code in a moment. I just want to go on a kind of product focus for a second. In episode 125 of Behind the Shield podcast, I spoke to podiatrist Dr. Mike Donato, um, and we discussed a concern that I've had, which is the footwear uh, for first responders. If you're a firefighter, obviously, if we're doing an extrication, if we're fighting fire, our bunker boots are definitely the best things. They offer a high level of protection. But the day-to-day calls, the EMS calls, all those kind of areas, they are absolutely overkill, some of the boots that we are being given. And I wanted to find a kind of happy medium between protection and comfort as a lot of these heavy, heavy boots are causing uh, overuse injuries, knee pain, ankle pain, back pain. And 5.11 Tactical has come up with a shoe called the Norris Sneaker. Now, this has the feel literally of, of a skate shoe. It's incredibly comfortable. It has puncture protection on the bottom. It has the toe protection on the front, but they've taken a lot of the weight away and made it far more comfortable. I think many of us will admit that as an alternative to duty boots, we turn to sneakers, which are also very comfortable, really don't offer any protection. So this is a great happy medium between the two. If you want to see this, as I said, it's called the Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S, sneaker. Go to 511 Tactical, and that discount code that I was talking about is SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5. That will be applicable for all of your purchases. The only time that's not going to work is when they have an additional sale that's actually going to be higher. So if they're offering a 20% or 25% off, obviously that 15 is going to be invalid because you're going to get even more off. So for the Norris sneaker and all the other things that I'm going to showcase that I personally use, I'm not going to start talking about things that I don't use, but the products of theirs that I think they're amazing, um, go to 511 Tactical, put in Shield 15, and save 15% every single time. Welcome to episode 312 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week I'm extremely excited to welcome on the show eight-time America's Strongest Woman and three-time World's Strongest Woman, Kristen Rhodes. So this was a fantastic conversation. We discussed a host of topics from her journey to the pinnacle in the strong woman world to the longevity that she's seen and many, many other areas. So before we get to that interview, as I always say, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback. I do really love reading what you write and then leave a rating. The five-star ratings really do help elevate this podcast and make it more visible to people that are looking for a project like this. And then, as I've mentioned over and over again, this is a free library of some of the greatest minds on planet Earth. And all I ask that you do, the audience member, is use them either personally within your department and then share them. Take any medium that you have and get these incredible men and women's stories to the men and women on planet Earth that need to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Kristen Rhodes. Enjoy. So Kristen, I want to say firstly, welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. We just overcame some uh, technical difficulties and here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so very first question I'd love to ask, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? I am in San Diego, California. San Diego, beautiful. 
Yep. All right. So starting at the very beginning, where were you born? And then what was your family dynamic like? What did your parents do? Um, I was born here in San Diego um, in 1975. So I'm 44. Um, my parents are still living in the same house. They've been married for 45 years. Um, the same house that I grew up in. Um, dad was in construction. Mom watched kids at home daycare and just kind of stayed home with us and raised us. And all my, uh, there's four, four siblings um, and all four of us just, you know, did very well in school. I'd stay pretty much a stay at home mom and um, played sports. And I'm the only one that went on to play beyond sports, beyond high school. But all of us, my parents were very involved in us growing up. Brilliant. Now, before I go anywhere else, what do your mom and dad um, attest to a successful marriage? Because obviously, in sadly, in today's day and age, many of us have been divorced at least once. Right. Um, I, I think a lot of it's communication. It's a lot of give and take. Um, it's, you know, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. It's just being, being, uh, being willing to stick through it and, and get through the tough stuff to get back to the good stuff. So they just never gave up. You know, I mean, no marriage is perfect, but they never gave up. And here they are. They've been married for 45 or 46 years now. Amazing. Brilliant. All right. Well, going back a, a generation. So your grandfather was uh, a strength athlete, athlete, wasn't he? So tell me about him. Yes, my grandfather is Bill Nieder. Um, he came out of Kansas. Uh, he went to the Can uh, KU, Kansas University. Um, he was the 1960 Olympic gold medalist in the shot put. He also won silver in 1956. So he was kind of my idol kind of growing up, you know, having, you know, a world-class Olympic gold medalist in the family was, you know, was a really cool thing, but it was also kind of like awe-inspiring, like, wow, like this grandfather of mine has done some amazing things so i just kind of really looked up to him growing up and i still do even today yeah well i, I talk a lot about sheepdogs in the community and obviously that can be first responders like my, my audience and my profession but it can be just regular people in there as well and i know he had an incident on a plane when he was 77 so tell everyone about that <laughs> i don't know too much about it but I do know that there was someone that was storming towards the cockpit and he grabbed them and took them down and held them until the plane got down so that that person could be arrested. Well, I think that's so awesome. he was. Yeah. Yeah. First class. He was set up in first class and just kind of saw him coming down the aisle and grabbed him and subdued him until, you know, law enforcement could get involved. That's incredible. It's 77 years old. So I just want to yeah. applaud him for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So pretty amazing. It is. It's, it's incredible. And it's just the people that, you know, that stand up that say no, you know, and, and it's amazing how many people have had on, whether it's um, some of the school shootings, whether it's, you know, abuse when they were children, whatever it is, that when you stand up to a bully, as a lot of these people obviously are cowards as well, the moment you just, you know, put your hand in their face, as it were, metaphorically, you shut them down. And so, uh, you know, the more of us realize that we are empowered to act when when someone wants to make us uh, a victim, I think the, the safer society will be. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's always been like that his whole life. He just always was the one that kind of stood up and just kind of had that big presence and just made sure that no one basically took any shit. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how he's, I mean, how he's always been my entire life. So it was pretty, pretty impressive that he took that upon himself at that moment to, you know, stop what was going on. So I know he was applauded was, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, please tell him congratulations from me too. <laughs> I will. Um, I will. <laughs> so we're well, getting back to, you touched on, on sports when you were young. So, you know, what kind of uh, sports did you play and, and did you find yourself thriving at the young age in some of the areas? Um, I 
did i i was like a sh- i was overall a shy person like a very shy kid didn't really talk to a lot of people but when i was on the sports field that's where i shined and growing up i played softball soccer um i found track and field when i was in high school my my main focus really was soccer that's where i was um i really enjoyed the most and i was the best at and, and i played soccer all the way through high school and then my sophomore year in high school I kind of, you know, because of my grandfather being the, the track athlete and he was the shot putter, I kind of picked up discus and shot put in high school. And I went on to win, um, and I think I still have the school record at my high school um, for discus. And I won uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and then went on to San Diego State and uh, threw in collegiately for a couple of years there as well. Brilliant. Now, were you, were you bigger as a, as a young woman back then as far as, you know, strength-wise? Um, I was always that kid where I was like, oh, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, because I was always strong. I was just naturally strong from birth. Um, my mom loves to tell the story when I was little how, you know, I was like one years old and I would pick up stuff and just carry it around the house. And they used to call me Katrina just because they thought it was funny. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was like, I was definitely the one that had more of a, a bigger presence, just just built, you know, just my build. And I was just always the pretty much the strongest one out there. I um, mean, I think that's what really helped me in sports is just I was I was bigger, I was stronger. Um, and I just, you know, I had that, I guess, the genetic makeup to just kind of I was just athletic from from the very beginning. So, yeah. Now, how was that received? Because yeah. we, we talked for a moment before we start recording. I've seen such a an incredibly positive evolution of the the image of a woman when it comes to strength obviously we're talking about crossfit you know but i'm but there's a strongman elements in all these other areas now that are really coming out olympic lifting um how was your strength and how were female strength athletes perceived when you were young oh you didn't want to be big and strong you didn't want to have muscles like that was you know back then when i was young like it was actually a negative so you know a lot of girls you know, women now, but at the time, girls, you know, everyone wanted to be this tiny little skinny um, female. And that was just kind of like what people aspired to be. And now I just, you know, society is kind of changing into people accepting more muscular, you know, bigger builds and, and being impressed at what the human body can actually do. So it's kind of been a, a big mindset shift for me from when I was younger. I remember growing up being like, man, I'm always, you know, I was like five, eight, like 175, you know, all through high school. And like, that was big back then. And I look back and I'm like, I was not big. And if I had had the confidence I have now, then how different would my life have been? You know, but I wasn't confident because that's not what we were supposed to look like, you know, back in the the 90s. And so it's just, it's amazing that the evolution of that has changed to now where people can accept all body types. People aspire to be muscular, aspire to be bigger, aspire to have that strength. And it's a good thing. And so I think that's really been the positive mindset and shift that I've seen through all the strength sports. And I'm sure you've seen through CrossFit as well, um, you know, especially with strong women. So, I mean, I am on the bigger side now, but I don't really get a lot of negative I don't get negative feedback about it. Everyone's just so impressed by my strength and like what I'm able to do that that just kind of overtakes anything by looking at my physical stature. So yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, it does. It does completely. Cause uh, you know, I remember we're basically about the same age. I think I'm a year older than you. And so, you know, when I was very small, the, the female models, the, the, the women that were in front of all the, the magazines were the waifs. That was the early nineties with, um, you know, I forget names now. Kate, uh, she's English. Kate, Kate Moss. Kate Moss, exactly. Kate Moss, you know, yeah. like skin and bones and gap in her teeth. Um, and that, <laughs> but that was the thing. So it was such a, a bizarre thing. So all, I mean, think about it. When's the last time you met someone that had anorexia? I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be a thing anymore, apart from nope. probably anomalies, but it was everywhere 
when we were younger because everyone was just basically dieting, taking diet teas and all these weird things to, to make themselves fen skinny. Fen. Remember Fen Fen? Yep. That was such a big thing back then. Yep, everyone was taking that. Yeah, so so not only the, the, the image, but just the, the overall health, I think, has just changed so much. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. So it's a good buy. I mean, it's definitely been a, a good shift for society, you know, to kind of see the difference in, like you said, the waif look back in the 90s to now people are accepting more accepting of the more muscular body types. And a lot of women are striving to achieve that because that's what they want to look like now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what we were seeing with muscular women was coming from the bodybuilding arena. So again, it, it, very impressive to, to watch, to change the body and sculpt the body like that. But again, was it was it strength and health or was it how you look and now we know obviously there there is a two very different things so now now you can be very strong and perform very well which is different from you know a lot of the 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 80s and 90s bodybuilders that looked incredible but actually you know off season were not very healthy at all yeah i think bodybuilders are probably the most unhealthy people in the strength world just because of their unhealthy dieting habits so that they can look a certain way yeah. so yeah, I think we're yeah. seeing now, even in the bodybuilding world, them reverting back to old, old school bodybuilding, which was, you know, compound movements and eating well. And obviously, they have to diet before competition. But it seems like that world is now taking from the strength athlete world a little bit more, too. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's definitely shifting a little bit. Okay, so back to your school age. What about career aspirations? What did you want to be when you graduated? So I went to college and I had a, got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and my aspirations were to work in the juvenile justice system, you know, helping kids, getting kids out of trouble, you know, helping them kind of go on the path to a better life. And I ended up getting pregnant with my son my senior year of college and my focus at that moment changed to being a mom and taking care of my kids. And so my husband is a highway, California Highway Patrol. So he had gone on to have a law enforcement career, and I saw the amount of dedication and time and everything away from the family that he had, and I made the choice at that time not to pursue what I had you know, wanted to all through college and just you know, make sure I took care of my family, took care of my kids, and that became my focus. Right. Now, he was he into the strongman side first before you discovered it? Is that right? Yeah, he started um, – he was actually deadlifting at the gym, and a, a friend of ours now, at the time we did didn't know him came up to him and said hey i'm putting on a strongman contest would you be interested and he's like what are you talking about i don't even know what that is like we kind of watched world's strongest man on tv but never knew there was an amateur circuit and so that's kind of that was in july of 2006 and that was kind of when he got the first introduction into strongman and then i got into it uh, in august of 2006 about a month later but i hadn't worked out in about nine years at that point um because i had been out of college and just kind of training off and on but nothing serious for about eight or nine years at that point when i kind of got back into it so what did the what did the female uh, strong woman competition side look like compared to world's strongest man which i watched growing up i love jeff capes which is our british hero and some of those other guys but what did it look on the other side of the tracks on the female side so at the time, there was a one female that there was there was a few females, but they were mostly um, international athletes. You had Aneta Florczyk of Poland. You had Heine Kumanami. I think I don't know how to say her last name, but she was out of Finland. You had Anna Rosen out of Sweden. So there was a there were several women that that there were you know European that were competing. It was a very small circuit at the time. You had Jill Mills of the USA, um, but there wasn't very many women. Like my first contest, actually my first probably year. To you might have three to five women competing, maybe 
it just wasn't big because I don't think people really knew about it. So, 2005, 2006 was kind of when Strongman, the amateur circuit was kind of taking off. And then I've kind of driven the whole women's side since then. Um, and it's, you know, here we are now where there's, you know, I had like five people in my first nationals in 07 to now there's, you know, 150 women or, or more at a national competition. So it's, it's definitely been, it was very small back then. And now it's gotten so much bigger. It's, it's very exciting to see the, the shift and, and how many women love this and, and want to do it now. Yeah. Now I heard you talk, and I, I forgive me. I forget the name of the uh, part. It was strong, strong man something podcast that you were on. Um, but you touched on the changing weights, and I know that's something we talk about a lot in CrossFit. Like I remember doing the main site wads in uh, two thousand six, two thousand seven, and then looking at the first CrossFit games they had, and you know that's that's weights now that that are warm ups for most of these athletes in the CrossFit games. What did you see as far as the weights in the women's early strong woman competitions versus where you are now? So back when I started in like 07, well, 06, 07, like just for reference, I hit a world record axle press in two, February of 2007 at 190 pounds. And that was like so amazing. Everyone's like, wow, wow. And now I'm, you know, I'm almost at 300 pounds. So it's just, wow. yeah, it's just crazy easy to see the shift in what was so big and so strong you know 14 years ago to now i mean i just missed a 300 pound log press at the arnold a couple weeks ago like just missed it so it's just it's 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 a huge huge difference the weights that women are using now are what the heavyweight men were using back when i started so like we're doing a 250 farmers now that's what the men were doing at world's strongest man you know back then so it's, it's crazy to see the shift in what women are now capable of versus what the men were doing, you know, really not that long ago. Yeah. Now, what are you attributing some of the the elements to, I mean, that, that changing? Because, I mean, 190 to 300, that's almost 100% increase. I mean, that's that's incredible. So, obviously, there's there's more exposure and, and empowering women to actually say, I want to be a strong woman as well. But are there any other areas that you've seen as far as the training and nutrition philosophies that are really kind of boosted the the strength gains that you've seen i think a lot of it has a lot to do with it's it, you know there's a lot more women nowadays that are doing it a lot of women have come over from crossfit that have maybe started crossfit and said like i don't really like the metcon stuff but i like the strength aspect of it um and i think a lot of it's definitely training um and and people see you know i've been kind of a a pioneer if you want to say in the sport and you know when i do something like i go hit a 250 log people are like Oh my gosh, women can do that. I want to do that. I want to be her. I want to achieve that. And so I think that as women have gotten stronger and women have started setting these new, if you want to call it benchmarks, you know, other women have been like, I want, I want to do that. I want to be that. And so a lot of it's been the training, the shift in training, you know, a lot more women training. Um, like you said, the training philosophies are evolving, um, where it used to be like a lot of high rep stuff. Now people are working more on focused on strength, like five, three, one stuff where they're, they're working more towards a maximal effort instead of a, you know, aerobic effort where how many, how many can I do in a minute type situation? Um, and I, I think that it's empowering, like to be able to say, like, I just set a world record at, you know, a 275 pound log. That's never, ever been done before. People want to, people want to be able to say that they want to be able to say that they've achieved something that's impossible. That's never been done before. And that's honestly what drives me still. I mean, I'm 44. I could quit at any minute. But I still am getting stronger, and I'm like, what can I still do that's never, ever been done before? Can I achieve what was once, quote, deemed impossible? And that's kind of what drives me, and I think that's probably what drives a lot of women 
Um, I mean, I can't speak for other women, but I know what drives me and I can imagine the mindset other women have that they want to say like, I've achieved this. And so they work towards that specific goal. And I think that's kind of, in my mind, that's kind of where I think a lot of this has come is women are saying like, I can, I can achieve this. And, you know, and then that's their motivation. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And there's so much strength, excuse me, so much power to to belief. So if you think about Roger Bannister, the English guy that broke the four minute mile, from what I understand, once he broke it, then all these athletes started breaking it as well. And the same with the motocross. It was either a single or double backflip on a motorbike that again, once someone had did it, now it's like, you know, common in all all the uh all the competitions. So it's amazing when one human being shows the world that you can do something, how much that empowers so many other people that just obviously had the self doubt that got in the way. Yep. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been contacted by people saying, wow, just by watching you do that has inspired me to do this. And, you know, in the early years, the the presidents of the organizations of the strongman organizations, they would call me and be like, all right, we're setting weights. What can you do? And they would base a lot of the stuff that, you know, these weights for competitions off what I could do because I was kind of leading the pack at that. You know, I led the pack for a really long time and they were basing everything off of what I was physically capable of doing. So that's kind of like the stronger I got, the more we've pushed and pushed and pushed and moved this stuff along. I mean, now there's a lot of women that are really strong, that are stronger than me, strong as me. Like there's a ton of us, but back then it was just me. And so they kind of used me to, you know, judge like what women were actually capable of. Right. Well, well, speaking of that, so um, I know there's confusion as far as naming the titles because organizations change while while the female side was kind of finding their... You know their official, um, you know, world championships. So tell me the accolades as of now, because I think when I looked, it was a couple of years old. And you probably got even more since then. So tell me your your national and and, and world. So I have um, eight America's Strongest Woman titles. Um, I have two Arnold Strong Woman. So excuse me. I've I've won the Arnold World Championships twice, and then I won the in 2012 what was quote considered world strongest woman at the time but didn't have the world strongest woman title behind it the official title i won that in 2012 in finland so i've won you know i've won a lot of championships i've only lost up until like two years ago i think i had only lost three competitions ever in 13 years like i went undefeated for a very very long time i've set numerous world records right now i currently have the world record in the circus dumbbell um 180 pounds with one hand i set that at the arnold a couple weeks ago um i also just currently at the arnold a few weeks ago i pulled a 616 pound deadlift um on the elephant bar which was the first time the women were ever able to use that bar and that's the fourth i believe i could be wrong but i believe that's the fourth heaviest deadlift ever pulled by a woman in history so that's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to say that and know that i was you know, one of the first people to ever, I was the first person to ever pull over 615 on that bar. And then I got beat by five pounds, but that's okay. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool to be the first one. If I'd had another opportunity to pull again, I know I could have pulled more, but the way it was set up, you had three, three pulls that day. And, you know, I went for broke on that last one. It was a 50 pound PR for me and, and, and I was able to pull it. So I was very proud of myself, kind of bummed. I didn't have, you know, didn't get another opportunity, but proud of myself that I was able to, you know, pull that huge deadlift because like I said, those are the things that people like women can never do that. That's impossible, but we were able to achieve it. So it's a pretty incredible thing. No, it is. And what you need to do is just 
take a, a leaf out of ice skating's book and just take the kneecaps out of your competitor so you do win. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'd rather win fair and square. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that your husband was uh, CHP. So how has he found that his strongman training has carried over to the you know his his physical ability to be as good a policeman as he can be? Yeah, that's his one of his biggest things is he wants to make sure that if there's something that ever happens on the side of the road, that he knows that he's going to be he's going to be OK and he's going to have the strength to fight through it. And I mean, he he's trained strongman with me for he did it with me until until about three years ago. And, you know, just having that physical strength that he knew he was, you know, he had an intimidating presence, obviously, because he was bigger. But he he just knew that if he ever had to to have a scuffle, you know, on the side of the freeway, that he was going to be able to come out of that as the stronger person's. So, I mean, he's done a lot of, I watch him with his punching bag, you know, on the punching bag, just beating the crap out of it. And I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, I do, you know, he's like, if I'm on the side of the road and I got to take care of it, he's like, I need to be in that mentality to be able to take care of it. You know? And so he really, you know, used the strength training for himself for work, you know, to know that he's going to be able to come home to me. Like that's his always things like I need to be able to come home to you at night. So, um, and now he's been actually, he's doing triathlons. He just finished a full Ironman last November. I mean, that was one of the most incredible things I've ever watched. I'll be honest with you. The amount of grit and determination to get through a full Ironman. I mean, I was just like odd. I was like, wow. So, you know, amazing. I mean, I don't I mean, I'm sure you know about Ironmans, but that, that was just, it was incredible to watch him complete that last year. Now, what made him suddenly change um, tack and want to challenge himself in an endurance event like that? He felt he kind of reached his peak in strongman. Um, he was honestly like one of the best middleweight deadlifters in the country for a lot of years. And he just was starting to kind of feel unhealthy. He was about 240 pounds. He's like, I'm getting older. He's like, I just want to try something different. And so he transitioned into uh, triathlon training. He's down to about 205 now. He's still, quote, on the heavier side for an Ironman. But, you know, he's just got so much muscle mass from, you know, doing powerlifting and stuff for 30 years that it's honestly probably not going to go away at this point but for him it was more of a total i need to change my life to be as healthy as possible to live as long as possible and he just wanted to do something different so and he's really he's really enjoying it and he's really embraced that you know that grit mentality of getting through a five-hour bike ride you know and going out and running you know 13 14 miles and it's it's been incredible to watch and it's like i said you know i want to talk about you know people say i inspire them like I'm inspired by watching him and what he's, you know, what he's achieved at this point. So it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like he totally understands, you know, something that I talk about a lot, which is just when you're a firefighter, a police officer, you know, lives depend on you. So uh, if you're not taking your fitness and your strength seriously, then you might want to reconsider your, your choice of profession. Right. And I think he's looked at a lot of, you know, his coworkers that have, you know, that don't work out anymore. And they've kind of, you know, they're, they're on the heavier side and they're unhealthy. And he just, he doesn't ever, he never wanted to be that person. And so he's, you know, like you said, taking it upon himself to make sure he's as healthy as possible and he can help everybody at work and make sure that everybody comes home at night. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's such a great method of training back to the, the strongman, obviously the triathlon is as well. And from the endurance and, and like you said, health, I want to get to that in a little bit because I know a lot of strong Strong men and women do find that point where they kind of have to regain their health after, you know, chasing those those gains. But um, I'm only 170 pounds and I'm six foot tall, so I'm, I'm very kind of skinny. Um, but 
the functional training that strongman provides is so pertinent for what we do. So, you know, if I say have an average male who's basically scraping 200 pounds with all his fire gear on and he goes down, that's 250 pounds I got to drag out of a building. Um, and, you know, if you watch me squat, I mean, you'd, you'd laugh and, and probably just walk out. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, with the strongman stuff, I'm able to move sleds with a decent amount of weight. I'm able to carry 250 pound sandbags, you know, back and forth in the back of the gym. Um, so it's, it's interesting how the strongman movements, because they are so functional in, in the true sense, like how you would actually carry an object, you know, you, you're pushing, you're pulling, whatever it is, that you don't have to be Bjorn to to still perform well as a, as a tactical athlete you know, military first responders um if you practice these movements absolutely that's that's what the beauty of strongman is is that it's it's all functional movements it's all things that you can do that will help you to be stronger in other parts of your life or you know like you said like for work so if you can train and carry a 250 pound sandbag you know, back and forth for a couple hundred feet, you know that you'll have absolutely no doubt you can pick your comrade up and drag him out if you need to, you know, so it's that functional training that can can carry over to so many other things. And that's what's been so wonderful about Strongman is there's, you know, like, I don't need help when I go to the store and I got to pick up, you know, 100 pound bags of cement, I can just pick them up and throw them in my cart. Whereas, you know, a lot of people can't do that. So, um, you know, that's the, you know, that's what's really nice about the functional side of it is that, you know, like you said, it carries over to so many other things in your life you know that you may need to do yeah yeah and you, it's funny you said about the the sand the number of times i get this funny looks when they load up all the bags at the grocery store and they're like don't you want a cart and i'm like no i'm, I'm fine <laughs> nope. you know and i guess part of you that also is challenging yourself like i wonder how many i can actually carry but <laughs> you know you, it's, right. <laughs> it's amazing that baseline now has been lowered and lowered and lowered like god forbid you have to carry a you know a couple of baskets around the store i'm just going to push it in a cart but yeah i mean yeah. We, we have there are areas of society that are amazing and the luxuries that we have are, are, are fantastic, but there is that damage or that, that danger of literally becoming too soft. And we have to remind ourselves that no, you know, you don't need to have a car. If you're just going to, you know, grab six things at a store, you can just carry it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, you go to Costco and they'll like loading up the, you know, the boxes of stuff and like, for, you know, sometimes it's pretty heavy and I'm like, well, I can pick this up, but I don't know if other people can pick this up or, you know, you, I go to the store and they're like, do you need help? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually good. They're like, are you sure you don't want me to carry this out for you? I'm like, I'm good. I got this, you know, cause they look at me and they don't, I don't look like a strength. I mean, you know, I don't really look like your typical muscular strength athlete. So I think people look at me, you know, that's kind of been like the beauty of all this for so many years is they look at me and they're like, do you need help? I'm like, nope, I'm good. And then when they find out what I do, they're like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> And it's, so it's just like you said it's it's just kind of it's kind of funny what society deems as weak or not weak you know yeah exactly and i think that's just it we were seeing on the men so you obviously we talked about the ladies on the men the male side it used to be arnold used to be you know the bodybuilder the, the giant chest and you know the abs and everything and i think people are realizing now no you look at the the elite performers in mma and in, in crossfit these are not like superhuman men and women you know they're they're yes they're they're very very fit but they're not you know conan you know so i think that even on the male side that has been thrown out which is good because that wasn't ever real like we said that was a that was a picture taken on competition day that wasn't how they walked around normally we've all seen the off competition pictures um so so yeah but i mean i think it's functional strength is so important versus how you look 
Correct. And that's, and I think that's, you know, basically with CrossFit and with Strongman is, I think that's kind of been what entices people so much is like, it's the functional strength side. And then, you know, the aesthetics are kind of what are a byproduct of training and, you know, people enjoy the aesthetics, but I think it's the pro it's the, the journey of getting there that I think a lot of people enjoy the most. That's what I seem, you know, what, what it seems, seems like anyways to me. Absolutely. I agree completely. So, you know, it's, so you're not just an athlete, obviously, as, as we talked about, you're a multiple champion. So what elements of your training do you think gave you that edge in all these competitions? Um, you know, like, let's go back to like high school. So I've always had this like mental mindset that I wasn't going to quit, but I wanted to be the best. So, you know, in high school, my senior year, I decided to run cross country. It's five, eight, 175 pounds, basically a quote strength athlete. I was like, I'm going to run cross country. And I remember when I started my first day, there was 13 girls on the team. I was 13th, but I was like, you know what? I want to be first. And I just remember the mental mindset of every single training session, picking off people. Like I'm going to beat her this time. I'm going to beat her this time. And, and just that, mindset of always wanting more and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I ended up third on the team. Wow. Back in back. Yeah. I was top, top 10 in the entire league started the girl that started at the very, very back in one season, that mindset took me there. And that's kind of been like the mindset of this whole thing for me is, is just what can I achieve? I want to be the best. I want to be number one. What do I need to do to get there? And I've just, I've never not believed that I can be the best. So for me, it's a lot of mindset because, you know, you can be physically strong, but if you're not mentally strong, you're never going to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And so that's kind of my thing has always just been mind over matter. What can I do? And, I, and I'm never satisfied. Like I pulled that 616 deadlift at the Arnold. I was like, cool, what's next? What can I do next? I want to do this again. Where most people will be like, wow, I achieved this. I'm done. I'm out. For me, no. What can I do next? So that's just kind of always been my mindset is I'm never satisfied and people are like, why aren't you satisfied? You have all these world records and titles. I'm like, I'm just not like, I can't explain why I'm not completely satisfied. I should be, but I'm not. And so for me, it's, it's just that, I don't know. It's that mental, it's that mental mindset thing. So <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great. And you hear that a lot. And I think that, you know, from, from the outside looking in, I think the ones that continue to succeed are the ones that are focusing on the journey rather than that end goal. So they're actually enjoying all the training. And then, like you said, as a byproduct almost, oh, I happen to win a competition. That's awesome. But like you said, now let's keep moving and moving and pushing the bar versus someone that's like, my absolute goal is to get to this point. They do. It's like some of these MMA fighters that we see, once they get a title, they basically retire out because that was it. They didn't actually enjoy fighting that much. Um, and then uh, a huge respect to them, but yeah, I think the ones that we see, the legends in the sports are the ones that, that keep going because they're enjoying the entire experience, including competition. Yeah. And, and I've watched a lot of that through the years. A lot of women have come in, made an impact. They get their pro card, they turn professional or they win a contest and then boom, they're gone. You never see them again. Same thing on the men's side. It, ha it just happens a lot. Like you see people come in, they've achieved that quote goal. They're, they're happy and they move on. And I just, I've never had that mindset. I've just always, what else can I do? Talking about that, I never understood like, what is that? Like, why do I have that mentality? And then I picked up this book called Relentless by Tim Grover. Have you ever read it? I have not, no, but I'll write it down. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a book on mindset. It's He was Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's um, coach. And he's got three, there's, there's three types of athletes in there. There's a, a 
excuse me, a cooler, a closer, and a cleaner. And the cleaner is the one that you keep pushing hard when everyone else has had enough, that you keep going, that you're never satisfied. If you fail, you figure out why did I fail and you move on. And I was reading this book and I was like, oh my gosh, like his description of a cleaner fit my mentality. And for the first time ever, I was like, wow, now I can actually like describe and describe to myself what this meant this mindset is so that's i recommend that book highly um to anybody that's you know that's an athlete with that mental mindset game that just kind of wants to maybe figure out why they do what they do or why they are who they are that book to me was a game changer i don't know if it was um aj or not but someone else did recommend it as well um because yeah, when you said AJ. It was, yeah, yeah was you say about Kobe. It too. yeah now we're well, speaking of, as a side note so aj roberts is the one that connected us you were one of the people that, that he recommended when I did the closing questions. How did you guys meet? He's actually married to my best friend. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His wife, Jenny, is my best friend. So um, that's how I've met AJ. And I was just over at their house this morning. I see them almost every single day. Excellent. Yeah. He, he was so, a great conversation yeah. and a fellow Brit as well. So I oh, enjoyed yeah. hearing. I love him. <laughs> yeah. Slightly higher performer, loves- though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's He definitely loves to talk and he loves to tell his stories and he you know, has all his story from his time at Westside and the stuff he achieved there is absolutely amazing. So yeah, he's got that same, same mental mindset that you just, you know, you don't quit. You just finish what you started. So. Excellent. Okay. Um, so kind of a, a side note. So there you are, your husband's a, you know, a highway patrolman. Um, you're competing at a very high level and strong woman. How are you guys able to balance the family side? Um, I only work out three days a week. So he, he just makes sure that, you know, his work schedule, that we schedule the training times for, for me, um, around his work schedule so he can help me. And then he also has his training times as well. So it's a, it's definitely a balance. It's a balance between my work, his work, you know, my daughter's in two competitive sports. So she has practice four nights a week. So sometimes I'm not training till, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night, but you know, we, we get it done and, um, going to three days a week was also a, a big benefit for me physically, but also in terms of scheduling, you know, that's helped us a lot, but you know, like you, like I said before, if you, if you want something bad enough, you'll get it done. And that's just what we've done over the years, over all these years is just, you, you make the time. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. I want to we'll talk about recovery in a minute and the importance of that, but with the actual training, not so much for the level that you're at with the competition side, but if, if someone was wanting to do some strong man movements or strong woman movements, um, let's say three, two, three times a week, which of the movements would you suggest people do if they only had, let's say an hour to work out in those three days a week? Um, I would do, so like, and that's typically like what I do. Like I'll, I'll just train for like two days a week is just an hour. And then on the, the straw man on the weekends will be, you know, two to three hours. Um, just your basic movements, your squat, incline press, um, deadlift, deadlifts a really big one for strongman. Um, doing something quick, like sandbag carries, like you can grab a, a sea bag like those green sea bags and fill them up with sand and that can be your you know your functional strength training is to do some sort of like carry uh, cardio event um s- sled drags are really good you know if you want to like get a lot out of a quick workout a sled drag or a prowler push you know that will get you a lot of benefit in a, a very quick amount of time so there's a lot, a lot of things i do like a, i'll do like a compound move like a just like an incline bench and then i'll do like a carry movement or something and just kind of get something through really quick um you know like you when you only have an hour so i don't do a lot of accessories i think accessories are great for for some people but for me i found that i don't need all that um so i am able to get through my workouts you know pretty quick um 
an hour or so. See, and that's interesting as well because having done strong, yeah, strong man, strong woman uh, movements for a long time, I think a lot of the imbalances that we've seen in in the CrossFit community have come from you know some of the barbell work and the fact that we're not moving weight over distance a lot of time we're just standing there with our weight um so having done those that's that's an interesting perspective that from your community there may be a lesser need for accessory work because again you're in such a a functional movement in all the the events that you're doing that you were never maybe creating the imbalances that some of the uh you know multiple reps of olympic lifts and kipping pull-ups have created in the crossfit arena Correct. And they're doing, that's a lot of beat up. That's a lot of, uh, work on their body. Right. So, you know, I can get through, like I can use my squat workout. Let's say from last night was five sets of three. So I'm doing my warm up plus only doing like 15 reps and I'm getting stronger based off, based off that. But then you've got a CrossFit athlete that has to do, you know, a hundred squats or something at a lighter weight. So I'm not putting as much wear and tear on my body as a CrossFit athlete is. And I think that's why I've been able to continue to get stronger because I don't do, a lot of repetitions yeah now on the other side um from the rest and recovery side so that's something that as an athlete especially older athlete use the word older not old <laughs> um, no, older no i get it i get it <laughs> um is is the importance of recovery so as you as you progress through a career as a firefighter and i did stunts before that and and, and all kinds of things where i beat myself up you know think, things start hurting you see imbalances you see lack of mobility starting to develop um, but the, the recovery, the rest and recovery was seeing not just in, in my age group, but even, even on the young, young, um, athletes now that they're really starting to understand that overtraining is a huge, huge thing. So what is the kind of strong man, strong, excuse me, strong man, strong woman perspective of rest and recovery? Um, I think, I think most people seem to train like four days, three to four days a week, um, I'm definitely, I'm so, I'm very big on the rest and recovery. I'd rather recover more and train less. So that's why I only went to three days a week. Um, I think a lot of people seem to, there's a lot of mobility stuff. Like now it's really big to do like the mobility stuff, the the stretching. Um, a lot of people use ice baths, contrast showers, um, sleep obviously is, is number one. If you can try to get, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep a night, that's a lot, you know, that's definitely how you're going to recover from beating your body up. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's different. I'm so, I'm so different than a lot of the other athletes because I definitely do a lot less than what other people do. Like I look at some people's workouts and I'm like, I would die if I had to do, you know, those 10 sets of 10 or whatever you're doing. I'm like, I'm over here doing like three sets of three. <laughs> So, you know, the older I've gotten, the less my rep scheme has gotten and less reps is less wear and tear on your body. Um, for me, less is more. So I, I can't really attest to what a lot of other people do because I don't, don't train with a lot of, you know, I don't train with anybody else and I don't really ask other people like what they're doing in terms of their workouts. But from what you can see on the Instagram world, you know, I think people are doing a lot more repetitions than than me currently, but yeah, but I think the um, the less is more is something I hear more and more and more from elite performers. Here you are, you know, multiple world champion, and and you're doing three days a week. And even in the the combat sports, you know, they're realizing that sparring is you know beating them up, like destroying their their brains. So now they're doing a lot more light sparring and just having the heavy sessions primarily in the actual cage or the ring itself. Um, but, and I talk about the, the importance of sleep a lot on this podcast, a lot, because 
it's one of the kind of elephants in the room, I think, as far as the the mental and physical ill health that we see. Um, did your husband have any challenges with injuries? Because you know, like you said, the 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 chance where the the moment where we get to grow is when we're sleeping. So if you are constantly training and not having that that rest and repair element, um, I think that's why we see a lot of first responders getting hurt, and it's not from them doing anything wrong. It's just them taking the training seriously, but not having the recovery element. Yes, yeah, he's he's definitely had his. He definitely doesn't get enough sleep. Um, but we also, I don't know, if this is talked about much but um about a couple years ago like we need both were really sleeping very well and we both had sleep studies done and now we both have cpaps <laughs> so because we both weren't you know we were not sleeping at night and we couldn't figure out why and both of us were having you know sleep apnea while we were sleeping so that also was a complete game changer for us in terms of quality of sleep um was realizing one why we weren't sleeping well and what can we do to, to make it better um for him it was you know he lost weight and that helped as well um but the definitely the the CPAP helped. Um, but just getting enough sleep at night, and it's hard when you feel like you have to do so much and and you have to do what you know you have to, you're constantly on the go. You got to work, you got to train, you got to get it in. And I think sometimes realizing that if you miss a workout because you're going to sleep, you're actually going to be stronger for it. And uh, and a lot of people just don't understand that sometimes it's better to not do something and sleep than to do something and not sleep. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, th- I think that's uh, an area that um, I've talked about a lot with a guy, Kirk Parsley, who's a Navy SEAL that became a physician and found that basically sleep deprivation was destroying his fellow Navy SEALs when he went back as their physician. Um, but yeah, to to get these first responders when they finally do retire, whether it's, you know, full career or, or halfway through their career, whenever they whenever they think they've done enough, um, that you're seeing, you know, that the sleep really healing a lot of the elements and people that were on CPAPs and are able to get off as well, which I think is encouraging because you don't want yeah. to have that strapped to you the rest of your life. Yeah, he's he's actually with losing the weight and getting more sleep, he actually uses his less and less. Um, so he's actually has seen the difference in that in terms of getting more sleep and not necessarily needing that anymore as much. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think sleep is probably the one recovery tool that is a game changer for people. If they start getting more sleep, they'll be like, wow, I feel so so much better i'm getting stronger i'm recovering faster like my quality of life is better and i just think that that's the one thing that if people can figure that portion out like i said that's that's a game changer for a lot of people absolutely well you said the name game changer which just totally sprung a new (laughs) nutrition question in my mind so what does your nutrition look like um you know i eat fairly healthy but i don't really follow a nutrition plan i've tried following nutrition plans and you know i'm like people i've I get frustrated. I'm like, Oh, I'm eating just how I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be losing weight, but never losing weight. So I just, I've just kind of found that, that balance between eating, you know, what I want. I don't definitely don't, you know, if I want something, I eat it. Um, but I just, as long as I'm getting, you know, proper nutrition throughout the day and just eating enough and found the importance of making sure that I fuel up before training. Um, cause sometimes I'd be like, why does training suck today? Oh, haha. Good job, Christian. You didn't eat today you know so it's just i don't necessarily follow a nutrition plan but i do eat healthy ish <laughs> if you want to call it that um but yeah that, that i watched that movie game changers and that was definitely a very interesting uh definitely something definitely interesting to think about for sure on on what the quality of foods can do to a specific training session you know and yeah. when i have been eating yeah. you know when i have followed a 
a strict training, you know, a strict nutrition plan in the past, you know, did I notice a little bit of difference in terms of my energy for training? Yes. But then it's not that much of a difference if I'm just eating, you know, whatever I want versus following something strictly. I didn't see a big difference for me. So the stress of following something so strict for me wasn't worth it if I wasn't getting the benefit from the training side. If that makes sense. Oh, it actually, it makes a huge amount of sense because it's something I've seen um, as a CrossFit coach where, you know, the latest thing now is the macros, you know, and people are weighing their food. And I kind of ask myself, like, are you not losing the pleasure of cooking and eating? Now you're having a weight. It's like a chemistry experiment now. There has to be yep. a detrimental element to that versus whether it's game changer, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you're getting meat, then obviously making it holistically raised clean meat. But just taking out all the process crap, that middle ground where all these kind of documentaries pretty much agree on is processed foods are, you know, are not going to make you perform optimally. But do I, you know, I just don't think that you should be measuring everything. You know, I just think it takes out that that organic relationship with with the food that you're eating. Yeah. And then you just kind of get resentful full like oh god i gotta weigh this out again i'm eating chicken and broccoli again and you just kind of get resentful of that whole process and then that also can take a toll on your your mental your mental side right and now you're like i'm so hungry but i gotta go train or i gotta i gotta like meal prep but i'm so tired i need to sleep so you know it just you just gotta kind of like find out what works for you and for me the stress of the meal prep and the stress of all that i wasn't getting a huge benefit so for me to take that stress out of my life you know I look at people on, you know, like on Instagram or social media and they're the same thing. Like you said, like weighing the macros and doing all this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that it's just, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just, it's a lot of stress for me with my life and how busy I am. And like I said, the quality of my training on a diet plan and not on a diet plan was for me personally, wasn't a big difference. So I just took that stress out of my life. Yeah. Well, one thing we found, I mean, it's funny because I didn't think about this when the meal prep thing first came out, but um, you know, a year or so into it, I'm like, wait a second, this, this used to be called leftovers, you know? So <laughs> basically whatever you're going to cook for your family, double the recipe, <laughs> eat half of it. And then by the time you do that with three meals, you've got a rotation of what you ate earlier in the week already made, but there you're you not go. meal prepping. You're just making more than you should. <laughs> so. But meal prepping sounds so much better, right? <laughs> meal prepping. <laughs> you end up with about a thousand Tupperwares in your bloody cupboard too. <laughs> That's the other side of it. I started, we started going to like disposable containers and then I was like, now we're wasting a lot of stuff. But yeah, washing all the Tupperware is a pain in the, you know what, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, well, the yeah. other element that, that I wanted to talk about. So there you are, 44 years old and um, you're pressing 180 pound circus bell. Um, so obviously you are defying what I think many people in the West consider old, which is, you know, I think pretty much our age now, people are, well, I'm on blood pressure meds, but I am in my 40s. Like, what, what are you talking about? You know, this. so here's these amazing people that are out there performing way, way older than us. Um, but there is the same way as there was that kind of distorted view of the female athlete. I think there is with, with age as well. So what has allowed you to continue to to um, perform at such a high level as you are entering what used to be called old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember when we were growing up, like 40 was so old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life, the <laughs> whole life like begins at 40. <laughs> no one believed that, clearly, because they were all right? thinking they were on one foot in the grave. <laughs> um, you know, just like I said, I think it's been the the recovery, taking my training down to three days a week. Um, the, the way that I train, you know, the lower repetitions, higher intensity. Um, I, and I just, I keep getting stronger. I don't really have 
an explanation for that. Maybe it's really good genetics. I don't know. Hard work. I'm going to go with probably really good genetics. Um, but I just, you know, all the th- things that were hurting, like if I'm, cause I'm, you know, being older, if I train, I know something hurts, I'm really not going to do that again. Like I've taken out some of like my, my moving events because my knees were so bad. I couldn't walk. But when I take out the moving events, now my knees don't hurt. So it's just finding that balance between what works and is allowing me to get stronger and what's physically hurting me and just kind of realizing like I don't have to do everything I can just focus on these specific things and I just I keep improving and keep getting better so I I just think it has a lot to do with also not putting so much pressure on myself that if your workout says you have to do these five exercises if you only do three of them but you feel that you know you've accomplished enough for that day, don't feel like you have to finish because it's written down. So I do a lot of self-modulation based on how I'm feeling a specific day. So Yeah, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. I I use that on myself and even, you know, when I'm coaching, if I see some of my athletes clearly are just, you know, not not running on full batteries that day. Yeah, I mean something's better than nothing. And you're not gonna, you know, fall off the podium just because you you did two thirds of a workout one day. Right. Right. And, you know, like if I like when I was training for that circus dumbbell and I would miss it, I would get so mad and I'd walk away and be like, "Okay, Kristen, pull it together. You can do this. You're strong enough. And then then I would come back and do it. Um, And so uh, some of it's a lot of it's just mental, like just telling myself, like, you can do this just because you've never done it before. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Do it, you know, and and I'll and I'll talk to myself and I'll and I'll and I'll get myself ready to go do it. And then I'll perform. And then I'm like, "Okay, cool. You know, like you can do it, like quit basically, quote mind fucking yourself you know and just get it done <laughs> so um but i i think for me like a lot of my at this point is is just less is more like we talked about earlier and and by doing less i've been able to recover my body to allow it to heal and continue to grow right now as a side note what are you doing differently with this whole isolation that we find ourselves in at the moment well lucky for me i train at home and my garage is a gym so I have everything at home and I haven't had to do anything different in terms of training or anything like that. Cause I'm pretty lucky that we've built all this stuff over the years. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun to not be able to leave. I'm used to getting out of the house and going and, you know, going out, going to the beach, going, I, I watch kids every day. I do daycare for a living right now. And, you know, we go out to the zoo and SeaWorld and we're not able to go do anything. So it's, it's harder to be stuck at home, but it, it's kind of nice to have, it's honestly been kind of nice to have some downtime <laughs> and not have to be rushing around all the time, like to all the sports and everything that we normally do. Cause normally I get off at work at four and then I'm off to my daughter's sports until, you know, eight o'clock, four or five nights a week. So it's been nice to kind of decompress, but um, I also would like life to go back to normal, hopefully somewhat soon. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are being forced to, you know, to, to take a step back, which I think is beneficial for some, obviously there are stresses, obviously, there's no question in my mind that there are some mental health challenges not being around your tribe, you know, whether it's your gym, your church, whatever it is. But your friends, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, with, with CrossFit specifically, um, you know, there's this push to like, all right, keep working out at home, keep working out at home. It's like, yeah, or how about not? How about just doing yoga every day for the next 30 days? You, yep. know, you know, do some self-care, work on that immobility, work on that mental practice, you know, do some the meditation side of yoga, whatever it is. So that when you go back, you know, like we're saying, you're not gonna you're not gonna fall apart in in a month or so, but you might actually be better because you've addressed your body in a different way. Yep, you'll be strong, you'll be recovered. All your little what do you guys call them in England? Niggles. Niggles, yes. <laughs> Niggles, yeah. <laughs> All your little, you know, 
things that have been bothering you or like will be healed. You know, all the things that hurt will feel better. And, you know, that's another thing, you know, that's a good point that you mentioned is taking 30 days to just like not lift. And that's been one of my reasons I've succeeded for so long is after a big competition, I typically will take a full month off and do nothing. And I've done that for years and years and years. And people are like, how can you do that? And I'm like, you just do it. And it's so nice to not have that pressure to lift and just do nothing. And that's been honestly one of my keys to success for so long is that I do do that. Um, and so, yeah, if, if people listening can take something from that and like, like what you just said is give your body a rest. Like you're not going to get weaker in a month. Just give your body a rest and let everything heal. And you'll be amazed how much stronger you, you will be when you come out of it. So, and, and people just men mentally, they feel like they can't do it, but if they would allow themselves that time to rest and recover, I mean, they'll be amazed at how, how good they're going to feel, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And that, that reminds me of another area of strong man, strong woman I want to talk about. So you have people like Eddie Hall, who obviously is a fellow Brit and I'm hoping to get on here one day. Um, but he was very public about how he almost killed himself you know, physically, as far as ill health to, to perform at the highest level as a, as a strength athlete. But then after he, he retired out and he said, right now I've got to basically address my health so I don't drop dead. And then on the other side of the, 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 the um, equation, you've got people like Thor who has Stan Efferding, you know, coaching him, doing his nutrition, who seems very lean and very fit um, through his competition. So two very different philosophies, but Eddie seems to be the one that we saw a lot, especially, you know, when I was growing up with the strong men that they were, you know, basically obese and strong. What are you seeing in the female strong woman side now, as far as that philosophy of, of health versus performance? Uh, I think you're seeing a lot more of the, um, like you said, the healthier side, like kind of like Thor's physique, where you see a lot more women that aren't as big, you know, like, so the men were, like you said, were like these really just big guys that weren't really like fit looking. Um, you're seeing a lot more of that, um, on the women's side, a lot of the middleweight women like that, you know, the between 160 to 200 pound women, you know, they're just as strong as say those of us that are like, you know, 270 pound women, like they're just as strong, but they don't have all the, the fat mass on them. So you're just, you're definitely kind of seeing a shift in, um, the physiques and, you know, people are wanting to be more athletic versus just brute strength where i think eddie was training for literally just brute strength at that point like and he had to put that weight on and that mass on to get there um so and you know like with thor it's, it's with him it's that diet you know and he's obviously got the good genetics um but then you look at brian shaw who has also been that big round guy and now he's going back to kind of the physique like thor's got now where you know, he's, he's that more muscular cut, you know, trying to, to lose weight to, to become a better athlete. So I think everyone to each their own, you know, everyone's going to find that happy medium of at what body weight, at what physique am I going to feel the strongest physically at and be able to perform the best and everyone's different. So, um, it's, it's just, it's definitely a shift. You've definitely seen a shift from, like you said, from the like 19, you know, seventies, eighties physiques to, to what you you have now you kind of still have both sides but more people are definitely going more towards the more muscular you know losing the fat you know not being as i guess call it fat <laughs> um physiques yeah. of of the past 
fast. So. Yeah. No, this is good to hear. I mean, I think that, that there shouldn't be a trade-off for you know for health for performance. I mean, that's that's a very sad thing to see, and it's something that we saw in a lot in wrestling and in bodybuilding. You know, where these these you know heroes that we had in the eighties have all passed away now, which is tragic. And it's because you know there were whatever it was, whether it was you know behind the scenes opiates or it was the side effects from some of the steroid use back then. But we did you know lose a lot of these men and women in in their you know. 30s and 40s which was just tragic yeah absolutely and i I think the for a long time it was mass moves mass like that was the big thing i always heard mass moves mass the big you are the more weight you can move and i think that people are now realizing that that's not necessarily the case and you don't have to be this huge person to be strong you can be strong but you don't need to have all that mass on you to be you know to be able to do these things. So it, there's definitely been a shift for sure in, I think, the mindset. And, you know, a lot of people now, too, are so worried about aesthetics and what they want to look like. Um, so that's kind of, I think, also helped kind of shift more towards the aesthetic muscular look versus the big round, you know, power lifter look, if you want to call it, the old school strongman look. So... Yeah. Now, and you hit on an interesting point too. So because that has changed, and I, I can attest, I, I literally haven't shifted the scales in any way, shape, or form probably in 20 years and I've got so much stronger um, and I think that applies to a lot of the women that we have in in law enforcement in, in, in fire in EMS where it used to be where you have to be you know you have to be built like Kristen Rose to be able to be a good firefighter and that's not the case at all you know of course the combative side of law enforcement you know if you are bigger that's going to be you know uh definitely a factor when it comes to self-preservation but definitely in my profession with firefighting you know if you're strong enough to use the the tools that we use drag the hose move the ladder throw the ladder pull pull an average sized person you know that you don't have to be six foot tall but you do have to strength train that's been the challenge for me as a, a skinnier male is not not the the weight loss but obviously it's the strength gain so i hope this inspires a lot of women that are thinking about those professions and the military of course um that just because you weren't born big doesn't mean you can't be strong absolutely and there's a lot of i mean if you look at you know you could put me next to another woman and be like we both have the same overhead press but i may weigh 75 pounds more than her and you look at her and she's like you don't think that she's gonna be as strong as me but she is you know and so it's definitely you know it's just like you said you don't have to be like a, this big person to be physically strong so that's definitely that's a good point for sure absolutely all right well We've been chatting for about an hour, so I want to transition to some closing questions. So the first closing question I love to ask, and, and you mentioned one already, which is Relentless. Are there any other books that you love to recommend? So yes, Relentless. I absolutely love that book. And then I've actually been featured in a book coming out, which I would love to you know, talk a little bit about. Um, it's called Strong Like Her. It's by Haley Shapley. It drops on April 7th. And it's a book of rule breakers, trailblazers, history makers and unstoppable women athletes. And I just got the book in the mail yesterday or day before and just kind of looking through it. And it's, it's the history of women's strength and how women back in like the circus days and how, how women's strength has come from back then until now it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible book. And I think it's be a lot of very opening for, for people to realize like everything that women have had to overcome to get to where we're at today and the type of athlete it's in the type of mentalities and the type of things that women have done um, up until this point. And it's, it's pretty incredible to just kind of flip through it. I haven't read it yet, but I would definitely recommend that if you're interested in the women's side of um, strength, you know, to maybe pick up that book and um, go ahead and give it a read. 
Absolutely, and I've, I've been following them, and some of the pictures are beautiful. I mean, they they got you uh, doing a circus press, haven't they, with the circus bell? They do, and actually, the picture that they have in the book is actually even cooler. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah, the picture in the book, I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, the picture in the book. So, for me personally, I'm chapter four, the strong woman section. Um, it talks all about like the circus performers and Katie Sue and Duina and Minerva and all those those women from the past that you know would do these circus tricks and lift 300 pounds over their head back before you know it was when it, women weren't supposed to do that. So it's pretty cool to see the history of the women's side of the sports. And I was excited when I opened it up and like, there was my picture. I'm like, that is awesome. Yeah. No, well, I'll make sure I put the link to that on, on the webpage here. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So what about movie? Any movies you love? Um, not a big movie watcher, but I do love the fast and furious series. I love watching those movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> All right. What about a documentary? So my my one of my favorite documentaries, and and I think it's because I've lifted the Denny Stones. I did that at the Rogue headquarters uh, in May of this year. I was the first woman to ever lift the Rogue replicas without straps. Um, I really love the Rogue series, the Stoneland um, series, and the Full Sturker series. I really there's just that history of the stones, um, you know, from Scotland and Iceland and Sweden and stuff. Just I. I love those. That's probably my favorite documentaries I've ever watched is the Rogue series. There's three movies. So I think it's Levantadores, Stoneland, and Full Striker. So if you're interested in the hist- hist- historical stones, I definitely highly recommend that. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I saw one. I think I saw Stoneland. Was, was Thor in that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I think, yeah. Yeah. I think Stoneland actually, I think, is the one that didn't. I think Stoneland is the Scotland one with the Denny stones and the Potark stones and the Ardblair stones. And then full Sturker, I think is the one from Iceland. I think that's the one that Thor's in. Oh, okay. one of them. I, I could be wrong, but yeah. And then the Levantadores one is one about the Basque stones in Spain. And that's, that's pretty incredible too. So if you get a chance to watch those, I, I highly recommend them. It's just historical and it's just cool to like learn new things. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. All right. So the next question, is there a person that you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military, and associated professions of the world? Um, you know who I think you would really love to talk to because she she actually trained. She was World's Strongest Woman three times is Jill Mills, and she actually trains the San Antonio Fire Department and I think maybe even their police department. She actually she trains them in strongman movements and functional training for their for their work. And I think you would really enjoy talking to her um, about that because it all ties into the stuff that you're doing yourself. Brilliant. Yeah. Are you able to connect us? I actually can. I can give you, I'll, I'll text you her phone number and um, I might have her email, but I definitely have her phone number and I'll get that to you. Brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect guest. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The last question before we make sure everyone knows how to find you and, and uh, the book and everything. Um, what do you do to decompress when you're not lifting and managing and wrangling children? Honestly, my favorite thing in the world to do is to drive to the beach. It's 20 minutes away and sit there and watch the waves and go for a walk. That would be my absolute favorite thing to do. My other favorite thing to do is to just watch my kids play sports. I love to sit on the sidelines and watch my daughter's soccer games, watch her volleyball games. Like that to me is a way to kind of decompress from everything else and just really enjoy my family. Brilliant. How's she doing? Because my little boy plays soccer normally and does jujitsu and obviously those have all gone away temporarily. How's she dealing with not being able to play sports at the moment? Oh, she's it's driving her nuts. <laughs> So it's really hard because she was, you know, she was training four days a week, two hours a day for soccer and volleyball. But the one good thing has is I've been asking her for years 
just to come work out with us in the garage. And she's like, I don't want to do what you guys do. I don't want to. But guess what she's been doing? She's been coming out and working out with us and doing workouts. So that's been really cool. And I haven't told her how much I enjoy it because I don't want her to scare her away. But I really love the fact that she's kind of ventured out now to come out and work out with us in the garage and kind of introduce her to strength training. So that's been really fun for me. Brilliant. Hopefully she'll perform a little bit better when she goes back and you look at her and be like, so? Yeah, I'm like, think about all the strength you're going to have. Think about how much harder you can, you know, you can spike the volleyball and just think about the physical side of this. And she's like, yeah, I want to be strong. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So, so firstly, where can people find you online? So online, I'm on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is strongwoman Kristen Rhodes. Um, that's where I post most of my stuff. And then Facebook, same thing. It's Kristen Danielson Rhodes on Facebook. But pretty much everything's on Instagram. Yeah, I'm having the same thing. I've got lots of lots of quote unquote friends on Facebook, and barely any any uh, feedback at all. Anything I post, so I think they keep it all yeah all away. I keep whereas, it all on Instagram. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much everything's on Instagram. So brilliant. And yeah. then and then the book that'll be available on Amazon. Yes, the book is available on Amazon. Okay. Yep, it's called Strong Strong Like Her. And it I, you can pre-order now, but it drops on the 7th. Brilliant. And then in the UK, I believe in the UK, it comes out, out on May 15th, I believe. Excellent. All right. Well, Kristen, I want to say thank you so much. I'm so glad that AJ connected us. Um, you know, it's been a great conversation. And, and again, this is sadly an area that still doesn't have as much exposure as it should but obviously female you know strength athletes should be as prominent as male ones so i'm glad that this is finally gathering speed yeah absolutely and i've been you know like i said i've been kind of trailblazing this thing for the last 14 years and even now i'm continuing and i'm still pushing for for more um opportunities for the women and for it to i know it's never going to be equal but for at least you know some of the pay and stuff like that to kind of get to an equal level because the women work just as hard so um it's, you know, it's been an amazing experience and journey for me this whole time. And, you know, I'll just continue to keep doing what I can for the women. And I appreciate you having me on today. It's been really fun to talk to you about all this stuff. And I appreciate it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs>